And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. We have had so many episodes about analytics, about data, but have we ever talked about how you take action over analytics? That's exactly what we're going to get into today before I introduce who I'll be having today's conversation with. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Fullscale.io to learn more. There's a link in the show notes. If you're not aware, that's my company and I love talking to Startup Hustle listeners. So reach out. Let's see if we can solve some problems together. With me today, I've got Chuck Schneider and Chuck is the CEO and founder of Redpoint Summit. You can go to redpointsummit.com. There's also a link in the show notes there. Now, we're here. This is episode one of our top Kansas City startup series. And, uh, you know, that's my hometown. And we love highlighting what's going on here and sharing that with listeners around the world. We do 12 top cities every year. We love to start with our hometown. So I guess without further ado, Chuck, first off, congratulations on making the 2023 top Kansas City startup list and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Super excited to be here. Um, We just kind of jump in. I'll do a quick background of myself. Uh, so I've been in healthcare IT for, for 27 years, uh, started off at, at Cerner, their electronic medical record uh, company here based in Kansas City, Fortune 500 company, um, and was one of the first 20 original architects that built the electronic medical record um, at Cerner. So I spent quite a few years in the, the medication uh, process of physicians ordering medications, uh, pharmacists dispensing them and nurses charting that uh, once they administer it to the patients uh, and have 11 patents all in the, the medication space. So I've been away from Cerner for a couple of years now and um, very passionate about healthcare. So IT has been a part of me forever. And um, I really like putting a, a purpose behind the IT and um, healthcare really uh, is what motivates me. So we're you know, physicians get to help people every day, um, but our software is at scales around the world. We're helping patients we haven't even met, and, and that's exciting. So at Redpoint Summit, and so are you a software developer by trade? Like, is that uh, my background is software developer? Yeah, I haven't written a line of code in, in 10 right, years. So right. uh, all, the, all the cool new stuff, I'm a little jealous of the developers today, but uh, sure. Did I hear correctly? You were so you were one of the first architects of the software that Cerner built in general. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. That's so. Uh, for those of you that aren't aware, Cerner, big company. Yeah, yeah. Cerner. I think uh, at least a year or two ago, when I left, was about twenty nine thousand people 
uh, and you know, global global company based here out of Kansas City. That's twenty eight thousand seven hundred more employees than I have. So that's <laughs> yeah, it feels like a lot. But a few more yeah, years. Yeah, with that here in our hometown, I mean, Cerner, Cerner and Garmin are are two huge software companies that are located in our hometown. And anyways, we move on because you are the CEO and founder of Redpoint Summit, and you've. Uh, you've been picking up some traction. You're obviously on our top startups list. Uh, you were awarded a grant from an uh, organization called Digital Sandbox, which is further validation. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to Redpoint Summit, I mean, it, you know, you mentioned solving problems and bringing value. I mean, what's the, what's the main problem that Redpoint solves? Yeah, so the main problem is uh, reducing physician burnout. So as you've read in the headlines, especially the pandemic is really exposed quite a bit of that of, you know, nurses, physicians are just burned out. Um, This has been going along on for a long time, even prior to the pandemic. And there's multiple sources of that frustration. And one of them is with the computer system. So I may reference it as the EHR, that's electronic health record. Um, That is the software that the providers live and die by. So they, they place their orders, their documentation, they look up information about the patient. Um, so today, a current stat is for every one hour of patient facing time, there's two hours of computer time that the oh, provider wow. has to do. So that's your highest paid employees, two thirds of their time, they're behind a keyboard rather than seeing patients. Well, I'm very familiar with physician burnout. My sister's a physician and so is her husband. He was an ER doctor for a decade and quit. A very un- uncharacteristic of a doctor and became a teacher. And now actually has his own business where he consults people on burnout. Yeah, it's great. My sister actually as well as a physician. um, And so I get to hear it, you know, the unfiltered version from from her Um, and and the years being in the field, you know, going to lots of hospitals and and seeing that firsthand. um, Yeah, his, his wasn't so much with like, it was more, I mean, the basic, the basic, you know, premise of that is that, you know, if you're an ER doctor and a child dies in the ER, it's kind of hard to just clock out two hours later and go hang out with your family and kind of feel normal about it. Correct. Um, correct. Yeah. And, and really a lot of the source of, of burnout um, is the, uh, the barrier to provide the care that I want to, to give. Right. Um, and so there's, Lots of reasons for those barriers. Uh, the computer system is one. It may be policies. Um, currently, also, there's staffing shortages. Um, so with Redpoint, we, we focus on, on the computer system. That's what we know. Um, and, and that's what we, we try to go and reduce that friction. So this is obviously healthcare is global. Yep. It's not going anywhere. It's something we all need on some levels, hopefully less than then, you know, we may actually really need. How do you pursue going into a crowded space like that and, you know, find the, find a niche, try to gain traction? It feels like that would be intimidating. Yeah. So, so one healthcare is very complex. That That's probably the most intimidating yeah. uh, piece. <clears throat> Luckily myself, I've been involved for 27 years and built some of the, the core systems. Mm-hmm. Um, so that definitely helps. And my team's amazing. Uh, they all have over a decade of experience in healthcare IT as well. Um, there, there's, there's a lot of activity in healthcare. Um, the, the big EHRs are, are working on expanding functionality. Um, and then there's a lot of small players 
um, that focus on a niche. So maybe respiratory therapy or oncology. Um, there's really not a lot of product-based software companies that are focusing on efficiency and, and making life better for the providers. So are most of the stuff out there, we mentioned the, our producer suggested the title of action over analytics, and that's exactly what, so I, I feel like a lot of the other software is analytics-based and maybe not, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, you've done a lot of talk about data and what do you do with it? You know, everything from like AI to machine learning to just raw data. And the thing is, is, is that's become really apparent is if you don't have, if you can't produce some actionable outcome from said data or analytics, then it's the data and analytics are kind of worthless. Yeah. So, so one of our mantras is nobody needs another report. Um, <laughs> So sure. uh, reports add clarity and they're important, but it also generates work. Right. Um, so once you, once your analytics identifies a problem, or clarifies a problem, um, now, now you need to go do something about it to, to actually move, move the ball. Um, so a lot of analytics companies stop there. They feel good. They create a dashboard and here, you know, we've now crystallized um, this and now you can go make a data driven decision. However, Stopping there, you're, you're only, you know, partway there. So once the problem is identified, we try to make sure it's like, okay, so now what are we going to go do about that? So one, one use case that we have is around um, how do you reduce variance and improve quality? Um, Explain. Uh, so, so let's say uh, CHF, congestive heart failure. So patients come in with CHF. Uh, there's a stack of things that a physician needs to do. So let's say there's 20 things. I'm not a clinician, so maybe there's 15, maybe there's 30. But And so those are grouped into, think of it as like a checklist. Uh, they're called order sets. So you place this set of orders, and it's just called CHF orders. Um, so what we do is we go through and we analyze, okay, so out of all the patients who've come with CHF over the last year, whatever time frame you want, um, how many of those CHF order sets are actually placed? So are physicians following the prescribed system and checklist. It makes their life easier. And then it helps reduce variance and improve um, outcomes because that is the set rules that that hospital is deemed as the best out, um, best therapy. Um, so talk, when you talk about variance, is there variance in those set rules? Like, does this have to be customized on um, like a well, provider so, or care facility, like on a case by case basis? So, so the variance I'll, I'll talk about, you know, and again, this is, you know, really for any industry is, a physician is no different than an engineer of once they graduate from med school or from college, you know, that whether that was in the seventies, eighties, nineties, or last month, um, their knowledge base is different than yeah. somebody else. Right. Um, and so what, you know, and, and luckily all things, well, most things are advancing anyways. And, you know, um, you know, whether it's engineering or medicine, the way we did things 20 years ago, uh, most things have improved since then. So if you have a 20, you know, 20 year experienced physician, they may have a different view on how to go treat um, mm -hmm. this, this specific situation. Um, so some of, some of that may be they don't like this order set or this checklist for whatever reason, or maybe they're not aware of it. So they may have a different set of things that they go place uh, for this situation. So not to go too much into the, the healthcare, but the, kind of the point of action over analytics of we go create that dashboard because that's important to say, you know, for this, for this disease or this uh, situation, 
you may only have 20% adherence to the policy you have in place, or you may have 90%. Got 90%, great, let's go move on to the next situation. Um, but let's just for, for this example say, you know, you have a low adherence to this. So that means there's a lot of variables. So every physician is coming up with their own list of things to do to go do this treatment. Um, and so, so, so we've identified that. And so then what we go and do about it is there, there's three reasons why maybe somebody isn't um, adhering to this. So one, uh, there's not a checklist for this situation. Um, two, that checklist is very cumbersome and is not very effective. Um, or three, they don't know about it. Um, so um, with those different three things, now what action can you go take on any of those? So you know, if the physician doesn't know about it with your analytics, you can, you can go send some customized communication back to that user and say, hey, we've noticed that you see X number of these situations every day, week, month. Um, did you know there's this order set checklist and it can save you 30 clicks per patient, blah, blah, blah. Would you like us to add that to your favorites list so the next time it'll be right there up front? So that's what I mean by action. And then we have automated ways using RPA, robotic process automation, to then go build all that out for each individual user. So it's essentially, you know, there's so many, well, anytime you look at these, these big problems, whether they're industry world or, how, or humanity wide, however you want to look at them, you know, I think oftentimes we try to find this like silver bullet solution, like climate change is a good example. And like, like, well, when to solve it, maybe, but maybe wind, solar and a whole bunch of other things collectively would do. It. And it sounds like that's kind of like, you know, you say you can die a death by a thousand tiny cuts, but maybe if you take 900 of them away, you stand a chance at surviving. Right. Right. And, and you've obviously have to understand whatever situation you're in of, what are the possible outcomes? Um, but, you know, thinking through like, what is, what is the ultimate utopian space, you know, for, again, if it's a quality type of situation, try not to make it all about healthcare, um, you know, variance is, is the death of quality. So if you're manufacturing parts, you have a big variance, um, you know, identifying the cause of that. And then how would you go fix that? Is it a poor um, raw materials? Is it, you know, something with the machinery? Um, and then how do you go, you know, can you put monitoring on that machinery to, to, you know, dial it in better or a quality control, you know, those types of things would be the action. Well, a lot of doctors are entrepreneurs and the fact that they own their own practices and do a lot of different stuff. And the thing that's been challenging for me over the years as full scale's grown tremendously is that, so I have 300 employees. If each one of them were to waste two minutes of my day, that would be a 10 hour day. Right. And I'm not saying that that occurs, but that gives you some scale. So what happens is you get this kind of long daisy chain. I would imagine that's what it's like in medical care as well. It's like five minutes here. It's two minutes here. It's one. And you're wondering why your doctor's late right, coming in. And these are some of it. Now, one question I had. So I recently recorded a, a show with a company called NavMD that uh, helps basically reduce healthcare costs. And one of the big things, they're a Kansas City company. One of the big things that they're doing with that is according to their founder, five to 10% of all, of all medical bills are actually incorrect. Like they have an error in them or something. I would imagine that the billing component for doctors is probably pretty arduous and can be a real pain in the butt. 
Yeah, the, the billing is huge, um, and it and it changes. And as you can imagine, there's there's insurance, or there's Medicare, there's Medicaid, and and that, that was the issue more with this platform was that that companies might not even realize or know or be in a spot where they might have a number of employees that were eligible for a whole bunch of stuff, and they don't it never gets utilized. Correct, correct. And then yeah, the, the billing is huge. Of one, did you capture the right? billing. So whatever the physician performed, did they actually document correctly? Uh, and there's, there's complexities there. Healthcare is complex. Um, and if the physician, you know, goes too aggressive on what they did, then that's fraud. If they go too under aggressive, then, then they're leaving money on the yeah. table. So there's entire, you know, companies that help dial in just how do you charge properly? And then, yeah, obviously then going down the line of making sure that those invoices actually get reimbursed and those types of things. I've got an interesting stat here and I'm going to just throw this out there. I'm not going to validate this or say that I, 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 this is super scientific, but I have a note here that says that, that the healthcare industry spends $2.1 billion each year on manual repetitive tasks. Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. And then- and then in 2020, a study by the Stan- by Stanford Medicine found that they cited that one in three tasks in medical practices should be should be automated, whether it's registering new patients, scheduling appointments, loading data to EMR systems, or organizing medical documentation. Yeah, yeah. So, it- so, so despite a lifetime of technology and bringing us to 2023, this is still where we were at a couple of years ago. It- it is pretty mind boggling. And, and a lot of the automation is starting in the, the billing and registration. Yeah. Uh, it, it's easier and you don't have to have quite the in-depth knowledge of, of the industry. So where we kind of differentiate ourselves is we're going straight to the clinical workflows, yeah. which you know, placing medications and, you know, those are high stake uh, workflows and you don't want to make mistakes. In yeah, that. sure. So, well, that's always changing too. You know, there's something new that comes out or I don't know. I, 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 when I think about, I was listening to your your description of of, of Redpoint Summit. Once again, go to redpointsummit.com. There's a link in the show notes if you want to learn more about what Chuck's business does. But you know, when I'm sitting there thinking about the checklist, so my grandfather was was a surgeon in the army, and you know, me growing up was he had already long since retired. But I remember anytime anything there would be some something he would either have a you would. You know, if there, he was, it still went and referenced like old medical journals and stuff. And I just remember there being volumes of them, like in his study, you know, there's like a shelf of like all these books. And I'm like, dude, it's gotta be pretty insane to go find that. And then also like realistically as the, well, it's the encyclopedia Britannica that I have from my childhood in like 1983 is, do you, I wonder if history is still the same. Um, well, <laughs> it's probably changed. It's, it's a different version of it. It's definitely changed. And, and the crazy part, you know, around medications is there's thousands of new medications every month that come onto the market. Yeah. Um, right. and, and, you know, the technology is amazing, but as a physician, um, how do you stay current with that? Um, so that, that is definitely, definitely hard. And, uh, so, so another use case, a product that we have is, is around ordering and how do we make that simpler? And um, again, the, the actions over analytics of one thing that, that folks have 
realize is the time spent placing orders. So it's a lot of yeah. clicks because you've got to search for the medication yeah. and their very long names. And then you got to fill out the dose and then the route and the frequency. And so the question is, well, how, how do you go improve that? Um, and so what, what we did is we first, we went and analyzed, okay, so there are things like uh, favorites lists that, that people um, can use in these uh, big electronic medical record uh, software systems, but most users don't use them. And so some of the root cause is they only spend about an hour of training their entire career um, on the system. And these are big complex things. So we to went have to, an hour of training. On? They have one hour of training for the entire electronic medical, you know, that's documentation, orders, allergies, that's kind diagnoses. Of scary. It is. Yeah, it is that, I mean, that's a little scary. Absolutely. Considering the things that can go wrong when you get that stuff. Right. So, yeah. So they learn either from their peers or from, you know, their, their other colleagues, nurses, and, and other physicians. Uh, so, so what we tried to do or not try to do, but what we've done is, okay, so how do we go help, you know, build these favorites lists? Um, so once we analyzed and realized that that was a problem, um, we're able to go through and um, identify the ordering patterns of each physician. Um, and so then we're able to, through our AI, then we're able to go create a top 20 list per physician. Um, so then with that, then we use automation to go and actually build those favorites for each individual. So where in the past, that's always been a consulting or an internal IT staff process. Um, and that's ours. So normally the traditional approach is you go ask the physician, okay, what are the orders you place the most? And like, I don't know. I'm busy. I have no idea. Um, takes 30 minutes of their time. And then there's a human that goes and has to go create those. Well, that doesn't scale. If you've got you know, 500 physicians or a thousand physicians. Um, so we're able to go do that analysis. And then the action we took was generating those lists. And then the next action after that was actually building it back into the system using using RPA. Sounds like a job for experts. And speaking of experts, finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. Our platform kind of does the same thing. In some ways, it prescribes uh, possible outcomes that might work favorably for you. And, you know, that's, that's a, one thing we've learned in you know, our 300th employee starts in January of 2023, which has been a blur and that, but, you know, much like medical professionals or really anybody in any field, people possess a, a significantly different set of skills and experience as they get down the road and, you know, being able to identify who's good at what and where you need help and whatever is a really good thing. That's what we help you do at fullscale.io. All right. So let's talk a little bit about how your platform works. Let's just do like a, like you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, applies robotic process automation. Explain what that is. Yeah. So the, well, the, when I think about that, I literally like picture like a robot arm, like grabbing something and, yeah, that, that's that's what most people think. It's a terrible it's name. Not, it's not it's, what it is. Yeah, it, it's not that cool right. at all. Right. Um, it's think of it as macros. Uh, if if folks uh, know what macros are, but it basically is you're able to save and automate clicks and navigate through a system like a user. So um, to, you could say it's not quite this simple, but it's essentially like 
you want to go, you know, simulate sending an email or, or doing something, um, you can literally hit record, you go through your system, you click, you type things in, um, and then you hit save, and then you can play those actions back. Um, that is that is a very, very simplified version of, of RPA. So where it gets uh, more interesting is, yes, you can do that, but then those data feeds, so say you're typing in the email example, you're sending it to a recipient, um, you can have a data source and then you go and inject those data pieces into, into those. You know, for us, it's searching for orders. We go identify the orders. You go inject that a name of that order, um, searches for it, you know, clicks it on the list. Um, it can, you know, go through, there's a lot of smarts in it where it can search for things on the screen of, hey, look for this item when it pops up. Um, and, you know, RPA is fascinating world. I think it's growing by like 40 some percent uh, every year. And, you know, the, the software is there, you know, there's vendors that sell RPA solutions, um, a lot of great ones. And um, a lot of industries are really latching onto it. It's, it's kind of your, your digital uh, workforce. Um, so there, there's a, I'm pretty open about the fact that the five colleges that I dropped out of uh, didn't teach me enough about what I needed to be an entrepreneur. But one of the things that I learned along the way that I've carried into entrepreneurship is a formula when it came to, it can be everything from like training. If you have to, so if you have to take across a big organization, you have to install a new process or in your case, get anybody to follow a set number of paths. The more steps there are, the exponentially harder it is to get someone to complete that successfully for you to roll out your training change. Or in some cases, if you look at e-commerce or something, there's a reason that Amazon moved very rapidly to a one-click kind of world. So you take the number of steps and multiply it times itself. So if you have a six-step process, that'll come to be 36, right? If you have a three-step process, that comes to be nine, which means that just three more steps actually makes it four times harder to get the desired results. So the right. reduction in number of steps and what you're talking about is 30 clicks. And so the thing is, is that one more step can, if you look at like what I just described from a six step process, now if that becomes seven compared to three, we are becoming exponentially like, so what that'll do is like, if you look at it, like compare the score of 36 to nine, it's going to be four times harder for you to implement that change across your organization, or you're four times less likely to get the desired outcome that you're looking right. for systematically. You may make a mistake. You know, you yeah. Can... And is this an airtight formula? No, but it really, I have found it to be really, really true. And so I try to reduce steps anywhere and everywhere I can. I'm a real onboarding nut. You know, yeah. like when you go to the full scale website in under two minutes, we'll ask you enough questions to legitimately give you some very precise, you know, recommendations for people that can help you. And and some of it too, is you mentioned like the macros and inserting stuff. So when uh, I have, uh, I have a lot of experience with scheduling because I'm also the founder of Gigabook. And one thing we learned was back to filling out forms. And it was, and it was like six or seven years ago, I was trying to figure out how we can onboard our users faster. So when you fill out an address form, you always put the zip code last. If people would uh, give me an example, if you would ask the zip code first in a form, you're going to know city, you're going to know state, you know, time zone, you can assume currency. Like there's a lot of different things. And that's like, 
with that, I, we didn't have, we, we didn't have robotic process automation in that case, but some of that's just like, you know, so for those of you listening, think about how you collect info, how you collect data or how you move people through. And then do you really need to ask that extra question? Like what are the minimal things that you need to get to the desired result? And then you can continue to like have if thens past that. But I mean, really in the end, people want too much info. Like how many times have you ever gone to anything online and here comes this big form and you're like, "Uh uh-uh, not doing it. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, definitely paring down kind of the decision tree or the the work pass for anything is really kind of step 101 on, on automating things or creating a system. And automate can be, um, depending on what it is, it could be that it's written down. Um, you know, that's a system, uh, long as it's repeatable. Um, now if you can remove the person and have a system do it, then that's even better. Um, and, and there's, there's a thousand ways to do that. So we're talking about RPA. Obviously if you could interact directly with data on the back end and there's an API that fits your needs, then go do that. Don't go through some, you know, front end, um, RPA type thing. But. And that's where the action comes out of it. You know, like I like, in, and I'm not going to pretend to know anything about being a medical practitioner, but it seems to me that if there was, if I could select something on a screen, it would save me the research in a medical journal, or in many cases, sometimes I feel like it's just instructions. I feel like I've had a, other guests that have had healthcare type startups that are just like the amount of instructions. Like you almost need a project manager. And I went through that as my parents age. I'm like, dad, you take a lot of pills. Like, how do you even know? Well, I've got this list. Yeah. You know, and some of that's like, I mean, it's a lot to keep up with and you know, the follow-up of it. And honestly, a lot of people get, um, meaning us as humans, um, you know, the harder it is to do it, like we just kind of quit taking care of ourselves because it's just easy to not be in that routine. Right. And any good system personal recognize, you know, repetitive patterns are a source of, of improvement. And so, yeah, your, your, your father's example of, you know, every month he goes and refills his, his meds or whatnot, you know, that's something repetitive. And how can you go help automate that? If it's unique every time, then, then that makes it more difficult. Um, and so yeah, definitely identifying repetitive problems, uh, or just repetitive situations that's obviously ripe to go and, and automate. Um, so one, your analytics has got to go identify that potentially. Right. And then what do you go do, um, beyond that? So for the folks who, who are doing analytics, I mean, we are an analytics company. It's great. Um, but if, if the dashboard is your end result, maybe add on as an additional product. So what does your customer do with that dashboard? Is it a meeting and they analyze the data you put together? Um, Okay, that's fine. Maybe they need to do that, but then can you have three options of they're either going to enhance it, kill it, or buy something new, you know? Well, well, analysis is highly subjective. I mean, and that's like, that's the thing that I appreciate about the machine in so many different cases is, well, Theoretically, the machine is unbiased, although my experience with AI in general, you can train the AI to be biased, which isn't always great. Right. It's like I've talked to people on this show about You can that. make dumb decisions faster with well, AI. If you, if, you train, if you train it to be dumb, it's going gonna, it's gonna to very rapidly stay dumb and right. to the point where it's almost in some AI models, you just have to start over because it's yeah, hard to untrain them. But 
but yeah, but the subjective nature of, of decisions and that's, you know, that's, that's, that's tough because depend on any industry, whether it's like, okay, I look at like what the full scale platform does, which honestly, uh, compared to some things I've built in life, like Gigabook is actually more complex under the hood. It's got more moving parts, gears, widgets, timers, cron hard. jobs, like all that. Yeah. Scheduling's funny because people think it's straightforward. It is a pain in the ass. Yeah. Like there is, oh my God. It's it's not hard to put something on and off a calendar. It's the 10 million F-thens that can occur after that. Right. And then rescheduling and notifications and, and recurring stuff. And does this go on an invoice? Is this paid? Is it paid in full? It's just like... I mean, it is, it, is a, it is a rabbit hole that is a challenge to it's go amazed. down. But yeah. but yeah, but then you look at, so that's what I said, that's a lot more complex than something like full scale, which is basically just simple tags. Like, you know, like, hey, these match up and some of these match more than others. And there you go. We don't need an AI solution if you, if you ask the right stuff up front, which right. we do, we have our own certifications, a bunch of stuff like that. So it makes it pretty, but, but it sounds like you're describing a dating site. Maybe it kind of is. I mean, that it really is in many ways. That is our goal is to find a good match. We want to find, like, if you were a prospect, yeah. we want to find someone that's passionate about working on the problems that you need solved. Right. And we found that that over and above everything else ends up in the desired outcome better and faster than anything else. And it lasts, but, but the thing, but we've tried to put humans in there for analysis on some of that. And Oh man, it's like, it gets, it gets sticky at that point because right. if that person that's giving the recommendation doesn't have a level of expertise, it's just like little things. It's like, you know, for those of you listening, if you're not technical Java and JavaScript are two very different things. So if you're talking to someone that's an expert and you, they want a JavaScript developer and you get, give them three recommendations for people that do Java. Right. You're going to look, you're going to be like your doctor, like telling you that you need a heart transplant because your elbow hurt. Right. You know, it's yeah. just like, you're like, Night what? Day this doesn't yeah. sound right to me, but yeah. So that subjective nature of the analysis. And then also you, <laughs> you got to get into the action. Right. So that's, that's what's always, Yeah. In in sports, they say you have a feel for the position, or you don't. And some people do, and some people don't. So, you know, I, yeah. But that recommendation, you know, it's it's amazing just the whole world of analytics and change. And you know, we've looked. I'm like thinking about even like companies here in Kansas City. You know, we've had Shot Tracker. Uh, I don't know if you've ever met Davion Ross, but that's like basketball technology. But like the high level of analytics and how quickly it has to. So the goal of what they do is to potentially tell a coach what the best five players to have on the court are. Right. And yeah, there was a, uh, there was actually um, some folks I met at CES a few years ago and they had um, sensors and boxing gloves Yeah, and, you know, little accelerometers, yeah. you know, basic things. And then you would go in and do your practice and then they would show, okay, by fifth round, your, you know, yeah. your punch is getting weaker. So yeah. you need to send so the actions, you know, beyond that was then a training program of, endurance your, your problem is endurance or you always let your left you know i'm not a boxer but you know your your left arm you know hang after a certain amount of time or what so they, they did the analytics and then they would generate training programs of how to go fix those right. flaws in the in the fighter right and i look at just like how like, like that sounds pretty well cool for, well so here in my home state they legalized sports betting recently and i tinkered around on fan duel and um you know like it's just a mate like on a play-by-play -play basis 
like there's odds changing and point spreads going. And I'm like, wow, like, okay. So I, I recently got a Tesla, which also just baffles me because the amount of analysis computation and decision-making that needs oh, yeah. to occur and that, and it drove me here today and I trust it. Like it's, it literally, I got to keep my hands on the wheel, but I get the full self-driving. I'm like, this is crazy. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Cause like, I think some people are like, Oh, well, I don't know if I trust that. I'm like, well, if you knew what went into building that, right. it's, it, it's almost on some levels like magic. Yeah. Well, so, so one example with that kind of the go beyond, analytics. So with the Tesla, you know, everyone's familiar with Google Maps. You can type in a destination, it tells you where to go. So let's say we're going to go take a 500 mile road trip in your Tesla. I didn't have to type it in. I just, um, I just speak to the car. It'll now. speak to it. And then with, you know, with it, it'll calculate where you need to stop yep. to get charged. Yep. Um, get so it. you're going 500 miles, you need to stop at, you know, town X and you're going to be there for 22 minutes and you're going to yep. be at 70% charged. And yeah, so that's kind of like going and, the next and the level of customization and personalization on that. Like, I mean, I can literally tell the car to be like, uh, be like a overly concerned, almost like a grandma driver, or I, it literally has a Mad Max mode. Yeah, like be aggressive and yeah, yeah, and and it's it was pretty interesting because as as they've really rolled that out and you get into that, I mean, it takes a couple of days to trust it. Because the very first time you do it and it's coming up on like a, like a stoplight and you're going like 40 and you're like, should I be hitting the brakes? Like, is this going to stop? And, right. and it's actually stopped me. Well, well, I've had good about experience because I actually got pulled over because of my full self-driving because I had a setting in there that was flicking the high beams on and off on yeah. the highway. And uh, I, I apparently drove past a state trooper who turned around and uh, decided to talk to me about my use of high beams. And I literally told the guy, I was like, dude, I just got this car. I'm trying to figure out how he's laughing at me. He's like, man, I'll tell you this stuff's crazy. But yeah, I was flicking the beams up and down. And yeah. The high beam is a little, it, it also, it also stopped me from running a red light, like a left turn. Like, and I appreciated that. Right. I'll take all the help that I can get. And right. then, and then, cause I like to eat my shame. I wasn't using self-driving and I got, because the car's really fast. Um, really fast because zero to 60 in three seconds. I got a speeding ticket in my own neighborhood. I should have been using the self-driving. It won't let you speed. Right. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Well, Tesla, there you go. There's a free plug. Send in your sponsor check and maybe consider using fullscale.io <laughs> to hire some software engineers, testers, or leaders to help you build that really complex stuff. Elon, if you're listening, just call me. I know you can find my number. Hey, look, we have people, platform, and process at full scale. It'll help you manage your team of experts. Go to fullscale.io, and all you need to do is answer. Like, you can get through the hire developers questionnaire in under two minutes. I'll tell you what. See if you can do it even faster. I bet you can. If you know what you're looking for, what you need, it's got to click a few buttons. All of our developers testers and leaders are highly vetted, highly experienced. And we have, I mentioned the process side, all of our clients have background management processes because if you're not winning, then we aren't winning. And that's really what we try to do is help people win. So here we are at the end of, of, of our, our kickoff of our top Kansas city startups. Congratulations again on that. Thank you. Um, I think this is our third or fourth year of that. Now I look in and, um, 
you know, it's, I, I, whenever I get a founder on an episode, I like to do what I call the founders freestyle and, and I'll turn the mic over to you and you can, if you forgot to mention something, maybe, I don't know, you can say whatever you want. It's a freestyle. I've had people rap, sing, recite poetry. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. Don't yeah. think I'll, you might I'll, want to I'll say that. It's up to you, but it's your freestyle. So Chuck, here's the mic. Yeah, sure. So one, one thought I had just, you know, to the listeners of really kind of the actions over analytics is about how do you add more value? Um, so let's just say you have a software system. Um, you know, how do you go, how, how do you add more value? So some, you may identify a trend or, or whatever your analysis is. Um, one, one way to add more value is to integrate with something else. So you may have an instrument or, or a piece of hardware or another piece of software of, you know, go integrate with that. And then can you correlate any of that information to make higher level decisions um, and analysis? Um, so some of that action may be, you know, integrating with other things. Um, so back to a healthcare example of, you know, you may notice that, you know, a, a patient's blood pressure is going up and you may then want to go analyze, like, are they filling their prescriptions? Um, but then it's like, are they actually taking their prescriptions? You know, they may just be filling them you know, how do you go integrate and find some of that information? Um, and so rather than, you know, the blood pressure is going up because you realize the patient's not taking it because it makes them feel weird or something. Um, but anyways, how do you integrate, you know, beyond what you have today? And then, you know, the, always the goal is to add more value. The more value, the more you can charge for whatever you're offering. Um, and so what's the next two, three, four, five steps beyond what you're, what you're processing now? I think a few things come to mind for me about this episode. First off, I think entrepreneurs in general, and once again, I mentioned a lot of doctors are entrepreneurs or they work at someone else's business. And, you know, there's, I I think people in general and entrepreneurs in general often underestimate the value of their time. I think anything you can do to save time or save headache, uh, you mentioned that kind of intangible value when you're really providing value. What's peace of mind work? And, you know, so some of that is the things that you end up stuck doing um, can really be overwhelming. And, you know, overall, I really commend and thank everyone that is trying to provide solutions in and around healthcare. because I, mean, I don't want to get too controversial here, but there's a lot of parts that are broken uh, here in the U.S. It's too expensive. I've got most of my employees are in the Philippines and. I see like the difference in cost and sure there is maybe some level, there's a, maybe a difference in, in some of the facilities, but in general, it's just remarkably expensive here compared to everywhere else. And anything that, and part of that though, is, is that burden that's created by tasks needing to be occurred. And if we're spending $2.1 billion a year estimated on manual tasks, like, I mean, a lot of that's got to be automatable. There's got to be a better solution to that. And, and the result is, is that those savings are going to come downstream for the rest of us. And, you know, I've just seen the cost of healthcare get out of the way, you know, get out of control. So rather than signing off, I feel like you've got something you want to say here, Chuck. Uh, I, I will say the, you know, Kind of mentioned about the controversial piece of healthcare. Usually, at least in the U.S., the controversial part is maybe just who pays. Um, yeah. But once you get past that, once you actually get into healthcare and past those politics, um, it's definitely uh, it's an opportunity-rich environment. Meaning, lots of things. Well, reg- broken. regardless of who pays, it's still really expensive. Whether right. it's the individual it, or whether it's the business, I mean, that's still there's a lot of inefficiency. 
Absolutely. And the more efficient that physicians' health systems can be, then they can, you know, see more patients, um, you know, and you want your providers and, and nurses to be in a good mental space when they see you, yeah. uh, you know, if they're on the, the edge of holding their, you know, yep. life together and, and yep. their shift together, that's yep. not somebody you really want to see. So, um, yeah, the more efficiencies, um, that, that we can bring to healthcare. I mean, it's, it's large, it's complex. Um, you know, health is complex. People come in with multiple problems. Um, and so I think software, and technology is finally getting there and just making sure that it's actually providing value and integrated with the larger system is, is also key. Yeah, I agree. Chuck, I'm going to see you down the road, man. Hopefully not waiting in a waiting room, filling out the exact same forms that you filled out last time we were at the doctors. Keys to stay healthy. I'm going to do it. (laughs) It's the best way to beat the healthcare system. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.